Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to episode three of the Lifestyle Chase. Here today I have with me Mr. Dean Guido. Did I say your name right? Uh, no, but I, I say I say it Guido too. So it's actually, okay. I've been told my whole life it's Guido. But yeah. then I found out recently it's Guido. Like I guess my aunt went to Europe or some shit and it's actually French. And it's Guido. And I'm not going to say but it like that because I hate it. are you going to carry on saying it your way or? I'm going to say Guido because then everyone just looks at my name and it's Guido. So it's just, it's just easier communication wise. But I can have this conversation a Perfect. million times and then it's like an icebreaker. So I have a built-in totally, icebreaker totally. with my name. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, what's a daily routine for you? Like, like what, what did you do today? What did you do when you first woke up? What time did you wake up? All that stuff. Oh man. So that's a good question. Cause my situation has changed quite recently. So I've moved gyms as you know. So I have a little bit, my schedule's been pushed back more to later in the day, but generally I like to wake up with an alarm around 723 <laughs> give or take one, nice. one minute to like the tea it's actually wild um <laughs> then i'm really bad like i'll go on my phone and then just check all my social media just get it out of the way right in bed and my dog will come be jealous of that sit on my like right on my phone so i can't check anything and then i wake up coffee i like to my biggest thing is in the mornings, I like to, I call it create, but I like to do my research and my writing and my notes and just anything that I want to, I guess, learn or consume. I just tend to do better from like 8 a.m. till 1 and then I can't do it anymore. But I also can't do that at night. So I just do it when I know I'm good at it and then I just literally go work out and then go train people. So work out like 1, 1.32 till like like three or four, and then I'll just train all the way till nine, nine thirty. Training people, yep. and then I don't know. Depends on what my wife wants to do, but watch TV or read and go to bed. It's pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> like, That's actually a pretty legit routine. I like that. Yeah, and the process um, of getting there was like I don't know. Like I'm a person of habit, so if I have something where I don't have that type of schedule, I just tend to go bonkers. So I just try to keep it pretty routine, and then I tend to get more done that way. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Um, were you someone that loved high school or were you glad to be done with it? And what emotions do you associate with your high school experience and what do you think invokes those emotions? Oh, man, I should have read your questions before. Um, <laughs> I was busy this morning. Um, high school. I, I didn't not enjoy high school. Like I really did um, like my high school experience. I wasn't popular by any means, but I had this unique... I guess graduating class, and I like to blame it on Halo 2, but <laughs> Halo 2 came out <laughs> right in my grade 12 year, and like like any other high school, we have different groups of people, cliques, whatever you want to call them, um, jocks, um, nerds, DDR, I don't know, like <laughs> goths, but the one thing we all had in common was Halo 2, so I remember like vividly, it's almost like there was a, a, a joining of groups where like 
those lines didn't matter and everyone just knew each other for like their gaming prowess and we'd have like Halo 2 nights or Halo 2 parties where there'd be like seven TVs and like you just put up all the Xboxes like it was crazy and then we were all in guilds. So my high school experience is great because the clicks weren't necessarily in battle and yeah like I I had I had a good friend group that I'm still friends with to this day so I grew up in the same place I am now and yeah, football is great. I just I just had a really good experience. I don't attach anything negative really with high school, which is, I don't say unique, but it was an interesting um, differentiating factor from most people's high school experience, I'd say. <laughs> totally. And I like how Halo 2 just completely saved the day. Absolutely. And That's it was awesome. And the one weird thing is I was like right in the middle of all of it. So like I said, I'm not popular, but I, I can like do things with computers, but then I'm a jock. But then I like tech stuff. I don't know. Um... Anyways, I may or may not have had a pre-released legal copy that got leaked about a month before, so everyone wanted to play it. So what happened <laughs> was is that I became the centerpiece for people that wanted to get in on Halo action, so we couldn't actually play on... This is the weird part. So Xbox Live would have been online gaming. It was kind of like the infancy of consoles being online at that point. Like I think it was 2005, but the illegal copy had to be played on a mod chipped Xbox. So that means you couldn't go on live to play because you'll get banned. So we had yeah. to actually meet in person to play games, which is something that's kind of a lost art nowadays. But that was kind of like, you could have went online, but everyone was forced to be in the same place to play together. So it was kind of a unique experience, which we don't necessarily have in this, I guess, day and age, but like this is 13 years later. Um, that, was, that was kind of a, a really... Cool experience because you don't get that nowadays and being in person and interacting with people tends to have a much, I guess, better experience than it is online because you're missing components when you do it via the internet. It's different when you're trash talking or enjoying each other company in person. So that was kind of a different, that was different. I don't know. It's kind of cool thinking that that's different. I feel old now. <laughs> Fuck. Nah, not old. More but old. like thinking about it, that's like a, a social factor, like I enjoy being a trainer because of the social factor. All day long, I'm like talking yeah. to people, getting to know more about them and interacting like face to face. And I think that would be like a huge key role in like having that positive association with high school. Yeah. And one thing I like, I think I read it this morning was like, we're tribal, like we've evolved as humans to be tribal. And we, you kind of get that on the internet, but like, I was thinking like, it was almost, I don't I remember what statistic it was or what study, but <clears throat> there's a long term study saying, that people who have more friendships, like real true friendships or interaction with people like on a day-to-day -day basis, um, tend to live longer. And it's funny because you say trainer, but it's almost like you situate yourself with your tribe because people want to train with you. So they like you, they're into what you're doing. But then on the other end, you attract those people and you're with them all day. So you almost get, um, you get a tribe that comes to you and you get to interact with people as your job. So it's kind of like your job is awesome and then you could live longer because of it statistically. I don't know. Kind of cool if you think about it in that terms. Like it's, it's all social. True. It's a social job if you, at the real root of it. Yeah. Have you ever read the book Psycho-Cybernetics? No, I, but someone just posted. I, I don't even know what it's about. I just literally saw, like I don't even know, cyber, blah, blah, blah. But like that word, someone posted it, I think today again. Like what is it? It's good. It's really good. Uh, my last guest... Mike, he, he told me about it. So I went through it. I went through the audiobook. I'll probably go through it a few more times. Yeah. But it's just kind of like mindset things. Like 
pretty much if you tell yourself something, it's going to be true. So if you uh, downplay your performance, you're going to not have a high performance in the gym and so forth. Like sometimes you have to get out of your head. Yeah. But it's a good one. You'll have to give it a read. Yeah. And well, it definitely it talks about like people living longer by having the desire to stay young. Yeah. So by having that desire, they're going to pursue things that keep them young. They're going to do like high intensity workouts that open up their blood vessels, that increase circulation, that help their skin elasticity and all those things. Yeah. It's just neat. Yeah. And there's like a lot of so, stuff on that lately. It's just kind of, it's just interesting when you break it down and see other people's perspectives. So I, I'm into that. So I could, I could give that one or you, I think. Yeah. Among my I other, think you'll enjoy it. Among my other things. <laughs> It didn't take me long to uh, get through the audiobook, and I think I went through it at 1.2 speed. I got it done in about a day, so. Well, that's not bad. It's easy. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'll, don't hold me to it, but I'll, I'll add it to the lists. <laughs> that's on you, man. You don't <laughs> need your problem. My, my list, my ongoing list of books, fuck. Anyways. Totally. So, some people don't know that before you were a trainer, you were a teacher. Yeah. When did you decide that is what you wanted to do and what did your role as a teacher mean to you uh let's go back because i think um so with we're 2000 i don't even know we're 2018 right yep <laughs> as my, i'm just like <laughs> um i became a trainer actually probably about like almost gonna say about two years to this day so like um i quit teaching and sorry i'm, I'm getting lost track why did I leave teaching? Why did you become a teacher in the first oh, place? Oh, why did I become a teacher? Shit. Yeah. Um, I have like a very shitty answer to that. And most people will like talk about like, oh, I want to help people. Like I'm inspired to teach kids and change lives. And I wish I had that story, but I don't because I was more concerned about being a pro football player. So my history goes back to um, basically I played at the U of A, so I had a junior career, then I went to U of A and school became something that I could do instead of actually working. So I had a year off after high school. I played football for a junior local junior team, Wildcats, I guess we're in Edmonton. So that was awesome. But I also hated every second of working at Sport Mart. I worked at Sport Mart and Best Buy, hated it. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm going to have to get a trade or do something like I, I just have my high school. So like, fuck, what am I going to do? And I was fortunate enough to be good enough at football to move on to the next level. So the second I got into U of A, I, I left. I was like, yep, I'm just going to do the university and I have a chance at football suite. Going to make that happen. And I finished my first degree in, I want to say five years. So like longer than normal. But because of my injuries, I had about two years left over. So I redshirted for two years because of um, season ending injuries kind of in the preseason or off season. So um, that allowed me two more years to play. And so if I'm done school, done my first degree, okay, I'm done my first degree in, in phys ed and rec and I need to stay in school. Fuck, what do I do? And the only thing I could get into was teaching at the time because like, I want to say I was a good student, but like I was like a C plus student, but there was a loophole in the education system because I could teach a specialization in recreation. And so like sport performance, if I had a journeyman in recreation, which I don't even know how you get that. But I was like, I have a four-year degree in recreation. Can I use that in lieu? And they're like, yeah, you're in. So 
in a, a degree which is like a B, B plus, A minus average to get in competitively, I got in through a loophole where I was the only one taking my major. So I got two years to be a teacher and I don't know what you do when you're done graduating at that point. So I finished, played my two years of football, graduated and I don't know, it's almost like that sunk cost feeling of like you did that career, career choice and I'm like, I have to fucking do it. Like I spent, I'm seven years or seven and a half years in school at this point, like it's just what you do and I wish I had a better answer like I like coaching so like football I transitioned to coaching coaching is like teaching and it is but I just kind of fell into it because I felt like I had to because I spent so much money on school so that's my real bad answer to a very profound question for most <laughs> it's not even it's a it's not a bad answer because like for you you host a podcast you've guested on other podcasts and some people just want to know like yeah. What's going on inside Dean's head? Yeah, and I, I and sometimes I, like the most honest answer is the best one. Yeah, and what I tend to find is that um, people can resonate with the truth more than they can with that prepackaged answer. And I'm not going to say that everyone who says they want to help people and all that shit isn't telling the truth, but I think that a lot of the times most of our decisions are selfish. And for good reason, like like I said, I got a degree because I wanted to play football. I got two degrees because I wanted to play football. That's a pretty good um silver lining like I, I learned things I don't I can't really I don't really know what but I learned how to learn and that kind of transition into where I am in now so because I was a teacher because I, I went through the university experience um, I was able to take I guess those skills from football and university and those skills from teaching others and presenting and having lesson plans and problem solving daily to when I actually found what I wanted to do I was more than qualified and I had, I had an experience, experiences that most people that fall into this industry won't have because I already had a lifetime. I had a career and a lifetime of other shit that had nothing to do with training that had direct correlation to what I was doing. So it wasn't a bad thing. It was just, I wish I stumbled upon it sooner, but you know, I'm here now and it kind of, yeah, like, I don't know. It's good. I love it. I think things worked out pretty good. Like uh, a person can pick up on like your your past experience like I know a lot of teachers and having gotten to know you pretty good I could guess that you had been a teacher in another life because sometimes like when when you don't necessarily need to to assist a person you're there to assist them and that's a great quality yeah for someone who's a trainer that not a lot of trainers have it and one cool so I think it's a no go ahead it's a it's a good thing that you had your your past experience whether whether you had a really like heartwarming reason to fall into it or not it yeah. uh, has built into you and well, made you more successful. Well, and the cool thing is like, and I I like to say like I didn't want to be a teacher like I'm not gonna say I didn't want to be a teacher like the stuff of being a teacher like um, helping people um, learning what you've learned and getting someone else to that point. Those are all qualities that you have to be good at. You have to be good at communicating. Being a teacher is kind of this like, people think that it's this box of where you're in an education system. You're teaching elementary, junior high, high school, um, university. But really teaching is just a figurehead for someone who wants to, I guess, take what's in their brain and give it to the world. And honestly, that's that. I just took that mentality and that's what a trainer. So I see... People were like, oh, you quit teaching to be a personal trainer, you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, in my head, I didn't quit teaching at all. Like, I'm in the same career. I'm just getting paid 
by people who want to learn as opposed to hoping that the people in my classroom that were forced by the government to go there, um, hopefully they want to learn from me. In, in my job, people pay me specifically to learn from me. So it's, it's, I am still a teacher. It just doesn't look like that when I type it out. But in my head, I'm still teaching. So it's kind of wild because I didn't want to be a teacher and then now I'm a teacher. But at the same time, I was like, man, I want to coach football if I'm not going to be a pro football player. I'm coaching. Teaching is coaching. Coaching is teaching. Personal training is teaching. Personal training is coaching. It's like all the same shit. And so I really didn't change anything other than the payment structure and the clientele in which I serve. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Completely makes sense. Yeah. I think it kind of like snuck around full circle and I was like, ha ha ha, you did want to be a teacher, yeah. you just didn't know it. Well, and that's, <laughs> well, that's what I mean. At, at 20, look, think back to when you're young or you're still young, but anyone can kind of look back and I don't know how the hell you're supposed to know what to do at 18, 19, 20, 21. Like I just knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to work at, I'm not going to say a shitty job, but a job that didn't utilize my skill set. Like I'm an athlete. I love fitness shit. Um... And I was good at stuff that didn't correlate to me selling TVs at Best Buy or selling shoes at, at um, Sport Mart. And I, I fucking hated it. So how am I supposed to know what those skills turn into? Because if you, if you look at it in my head, I'm like pro football player. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a very easy thing to be. And if I don't, if I'm not going to attain that, then what? And that's kind of where at any given age, it's, it's really hard to know what you want to do. And then even at like 24, so 24, I'm graduated. I still didn't, I didn't become a trainer until like 28. <laughs> you know I, mean? I didn't even get to where I wanted to be till four years later. And I think everyone has a different journey, but like I had a, I had a few backup options that got me to the one I truly wanted. And it's just, it's, it's weird looking back. That's for sure. Totally relatable though. Yeah. Like when I was 17, I was going to go do film school yeah. and I thought the only way to utilize my skills was like go do film school. And I was like, well, it's going to be tough to make a go of that, but I like making film. That's something that I'm good at. Yeah. Now I'm a trainer who just makes lots of videos and I'm happy with that. Yeah. Like it all worked out. Like, and you're still using those film stuff. It's like, I loved um, making films and shit too. Like I was in ComTech, I like learned all those things and I didn't actually use them until I'm in training. So same thing is just like, where can you take the stuff or your experiences and then put them into um, something? And for me, that was personal training. And I guess I like, that aspect of it because you're not in a box personal training like if you learn about personal training everyone thinks you're in a box of like you have to do it this way but really you don't really have a boss you can really do it however the hell you want and that's kind of the cool aspect of that because with teaching you kind of could but you still have a structure you still have hours and and classes and like you have to get this done for curriculum with personal training it's you don't have those handcuffs and so yeah yeah it. Yeah, it's a beautiful world. Beautiful world, exactly. Um, <laughs> what would you say, or no, would you say that being active helps you overcome obstacles or that it creates obstacles? And what are your strategies for eliminating the things that hold you back in life? Uh, I think that, I think for everyone that answer is going to be different. For me, um, movement and fitness and has allowed me because I was always doing it has allowed me to excel at the things that I've, I've done. So the things I put myself in, whether it's football, um, teaching, training, powerlifting, when I was powerlifting, all being a, a movement oriented person and someone who like picked up things fast, gave me opportunities, but it also caused my biggest roadblocks. If you look back um, through it, not hardships, but like I injured myself quite frequently 
Um, during my football career, I've had two surgeries, um, torn every muscle, and now movements become a thing that... So let's go back in time. So when I'm a kid and I'm athletic, I can do things. I could do anything in the world. I could do anything I put my mind to. And from the course of like 18 to 26, like I just had injury after injury after injury after injury. And I just want to get back to that spot where I was like a, a, a young buck and I could do everything. So now movements become a roadblock because I can't get back. And I'm searching for a way to get back to how it was. And it'll never be the same, but I still am in pain. And so like... It's on. I get both ends of the spectrum. I know what it's like to use movement as the one thing that like fills your life up with like joy, and it gets you what you want. But at the same time, now, not being able to move kind of does limit, I guess, my experiences. And so, in that respect, both. Uh, in terms of, what's the the second question or third or? <laughs> so, <laughs> what are your strategies for eliminating the things that are holding you back in life? So if you get injured, like. How, how do you keep in a mindset that's going to enable you to keep moving forward past injury? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say I haven't always dealt with injury the best. Um, my way of getting around it is trying to work backwards from how it happened and understand the whys and kind of go through the process of how do I get myself better and then try to change or search for answers. So like for me, every injury was an opportunity to, I guess, learn more. Um, it, it's almost like when you're, when, you're, when you're playing football, let's just use football as an example. I'm playing football, like you're so zoned in on, on going to that next level or you're trying to make pro or trying to like win a game. And when you get injured, all you can think about is how do I get back there? And so there's a road or a journey from being injured, and for me it was quite severe a lot of times, to getting back to that spot that you're always chasing something. So every injury was a chase. And if I put my mind in a place where I'm searching for answers or I have something to, I guess, better myself, it gave me the drive to kind of get past it. And so that's how I would kind of use that story to, I guess, represent a lot of the obstacles I've had. I've use them as or kind of transform my mindset to treat them like something to overcome or the next step to get me where I want to be and I don't know I think it's it's I think the book is called the obstacles away and like I was doing this before I read this book but stoicism it was about stoicism and it kind of looks at the history of it and and all stoicism is 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 basically not taking things for face value so like you get hurt you should be hurt and you're sad but instead, flipping that mindset to be like, okay, hey, this is happening for a reason. And trying to find that reason to kind of move on. And just reframing all the things in your life and putting a logical, I guess, attachment to them. And so that's how I would say is that I almost switch my viewpoint on things to kind of use them as opportunities to get better. And now I say that, and I don't always do that in the heat of the moment. But as I get better at slowing my process down... I've been able to, I guess, take things in my life and apply a better process to it because I haven't let, I guess, the negative aspects of things ruin the opportunity for growth. Does that make sense? <laughs> Which yeah, is like that a huge, makes long answer, but like it took a while to get there. And yeah, thank God that 
I had those injuries and everything because I don't think my brain would be where it's at without that because I would have been on easy street and I had to take a quite quite a hard road to get to where I'm at and you don't get that without like shit happening to you and I had a lot of shit happen <laughs> so yeah so yeah no like I, I definitely wanted to a- ask you that question out of anybody because I know for you you'd have like both sides of the spectrum you'd have like your your younger career where you felt unstoppable yeah. and like you're getting the adrenaline rush and things are awesome but then like there was times where we'd be having a conversation you kind of like tell about how sometimes just to move around kind of sucked just because well, different injuries and stuff well and the cool thing about that is even on both ends of the spectrum so feeling like you're invincible is also an addictive quality so like um I don't know how many people know this about me, but when I was done teaching and before I was training, I had a, a powerlifting career, which was like literally just lifting weights as heavy as possible. And like I got really strong, but in a place where I was at, like I wasn't able to like do those without getting hurt. Like my body was fucked up and that chase to get back to where I was at or have chased that feeling of being invincible was, was a roadblock. And so like fitness for me is, is, it's a weird place because a lot of people use fitness to make themselves feel better, makes them feel strong. Like I already know what that feels like. I know how to, like, I know what it feels like to be fast. I know what it feels like to hit people. I know what it feels like to be strong. And it's when you get to the upper echelons of some of those things, like fitness becomes not safe or not a good idea. So there's kind of this happy medium, which I don't necessarily live in. I live on either end of the spectrum, whether it's super high or super low. And, and finding that middle ground is, is a really hard task for me. So like fitness for me ends up becoming, like I said, that roadblock because of my mindset of trying to be the best. And working backwards from that, even, even talking about it now, it's just like, it's hard to give up once you've been there. And so that's where I would say that I've had a unique experience in the sense that I know what it's like to be at like stupid strong and what the consequences are for that. And I don't think people realize um, the costs that come with performance. And I've been to the performance side of things and I don't know if I would do it any differently, but I definitely have a weird perspective on fitness. Because it's not that thing that fills my cup all the time. Like sometimes it just ruins me. <laughs> and I still do it. So yeah. like I don't know. I don't have a great answer. That makes sense. But it's important for people to know like sometimes it's just it's such a mindset thing that it can take you down a hole that you're going down a bad path. But yeah. like you're stuck on like that winning mentality. Because yep. people don't always see a strong person and understand the depth of like where their head is at they just think oh this person's strong because they're strong and they're happy and everything's all good and hunky-dory and they don't have any internal battles but to share that with anybody who's listening might give them some perspective that you know like everybody has some kind of shit that they're dealing with and it's good to understand like what other people's stuff looks like so that they can understand that it's really just a, a mindset mentality thing we have to get our own head straight to to figure out our stuff well, and it'll all be different. Like, I wish I, I, w- I don't even know if I wish it was different, but I definitely can empathize with a lot of people that come from my type of background or injury just because I've been there and I know where the good place is at. I know where the bad place is at and I'm still searching for more of the good place. And that's just, it's just a journey that you kind of have to live through and I don't necessarily wish it upon anyone. So that's what I mean. My recommendation isn't go play football and be a power lifter and, and try to 
run as fast as you can and have these great goals because like I don't have the I can't ensure 100 percent that that's the right way to go and I, I don't have all the answers but I know kind of based on my experience what I would do and that's kind of what I try to offer the world just some options makes sense makes sense yeah so life work balance is a big thing and I think you do a pretty good job good job of it like you've gone on some holidays with with your wife yeah um what is something you commit to in your week to keep that balance existence so that you don't fall too far down the rabbit hole of learning and work and all that stuff oh man i would say it's funny because like you see that and it looks like i have a good work-life balance and I, I, i do the the good quality that i have is that my job feels like like it doesn't feel like a job. So like it feels like my life. So like with teaching and just like any other shitty job, and teaching is not a shitty job, but when teaching, I wasn't always like, I felt like struggle and stress from that. And when I'm training and doing my other stuff is that that's not as stressful for me. So I see that as part of the balance where I didn't before. So I think the first thing I would say is that the biggest factor for me was finding something that I liked to do and I got paid to do it. That, that helps things a lot. Um, in terms of what I commit to each day is that I try to commit to planning things out as best I can. I think the biggest thing that has helped me free up my time is being um, dedicated to a process that allows me that time. So if I didn't have plans or I didn't have a process to the stuff I do, like in, we talked about your ideal day, how you wake up, it comes with being specific on what that is so that you can plan accordingly. Because if I didn't understand how I worked, when I worked the best, when I wake up, what my schedule is like, what my wife's schedule is like, I don't have those opportunities to have the the balance stuff, like the holidays and the time with my wife at night or the walking the dog. Because if I ran around like with a chicken without its head, that's, I totally butchered that. Chicken with its head cut off. <laughs> chicken with its head cut off. I have to cross my fingers and hope that I stumble upon the stuff that I guess is is social and the stuff that is outside of work. So my biggest thing has been kind of figuring out where I work the best and then actually having a plan to get that because without that plan, things tend to fall apart. And I've, I've had that in the past. Like if things like even with my switch um, from gyms is that things got thrown through a loop because we're building the gym. My weekends are full. Um, other things like my whole process was just turned upside down for a couple months and I'm still trying to fight my way back to figuring out what that was and I've had that discussion with my wife even just last night it's just I need to get back to doing the things that I did in the order in which I did them because that's where I felt I had the most balance so it's it's just a matter of planning that's the simple answer but actually doing it not talking about doing it doing it and then following through with it and then making it a pattern or habit and I think the second that you start doing those steps and actually just committing to it things tend to fall into place for me (laughs) that's awesome I like that answer are you the kind of person who writes out a plan in like a a book or on Uh, your phone or what do you do I've I've tried that I think I'm shitty at it I really I I found the value in writing it down and so I would say I used to now I kind of just I'm, I'm really bad at writing things out and I don't know if that's my best. Like, so 
one of the biggest things like, yeah, you got to write your plan. You got to do this. Like there's like all this information on what you should do. And I've tended to just stick to the thought process behind it and doing it my way. So my way is that it's stuck in my brain and I just know how to do it. Now that might not be the most consistent, best way to do it, but I, I also tend to, when I write it down, I tend not to follow through with it. So for me, it's like literally have a mental image of it and then just hold myself accountable to it. And the way I like to do that is like, I just trick myself. Like I, I will like, I'm a pretty competitive person. So I almost like challenge myself. So I can make little mini challenges in my head. Like you got to get these things done today. And then I don't know, I just do them because I feel bad if I don't do them. So I almost create a competitive environment in my head so that I do those things, <laughs> which is totally weird, but it works for me. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to anyone unless you know you can pull it off because that's a surefire way to um, not doing things <laughs> for some <laughs> But I'm picking up what you're throwing down. Like for myself, I, I struggle to use like a, a planner. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of good with lists, but my brain kind of works better with having the lists like more of a week-long thing like mm. nail them off throughout the week maybe not do them specific times kind of thing yeah i would but say it I all makes that. sense I, I i so you know what i do do that i don't necessarily write it down but i do tend to have things like bigger things i want to get done for the week um because i tend to i'm, I'm more of inspiration driven person so i have my times so like i said i i, I get things done from like whatever till i wake up to like noon one-ish now i don't I tried to like set it up where I would block my time for the things in those moments. So like for me, I have my podcast, I have writing, I have social media, I have studying and I just tend to block off that time and then do what I want to do. Because the second I do something that I, I planned out that I don't want to do, but I planned it out, I'm going to fucking do it anyways. And then I don't get any of it done. Cause I just sit there cause I didn't want to do that in that order. So I just tend to try to trust what I'm inspired to do and then just do that and hammer it out because then I, I, I know I'll get it done because the second I try to do something that I'm not inspired to do, I don't get it done. And I'll sit there for that hour block that I planned it out when I was doing it. And I, like it was a waste of fucking time. So I just know how I operate. And I think that that awareness piece to how you best operate and then acting on it is kind of the big thing. So for you, like you said, you do it by week. That's kind of how I do it. I know I have to get all this shit done. I just know that, in those hours, I just to pick something that I want to do and do it and then try to check off that list in my head. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, thinking back to the toughest thing you have ever had to face mentally Yeah. and knowing what you know now, what piece of advice would present day Dean tell past Dean in order to get over that, uh, that tough time? Oh man. I think, um, one of, so like, Probably the biggest thing mentally was my last season of football. So like just to paint the picture, basically I had a whole year off the year before because I, I had a, um, uh, no, I didn't. I had a knee surgery and then I played. And then in that process, I had a year off and the year I was coming back. So imagine I hadn't been playing football for a year. I had a knee injury. I essentially quit the team. Like I didn't do any team events. Like I didn't know if I was coming back to play or not. So I just quit essentially because I was going to go into the real world. Um, so I came back, rehabbed my knee surgery injury, and I earned my starting position back. But kind of in that process of earning my position back and that process of getting back, I actually tore my hip. So I had a full like hip labrum tear that I couldn't lift my knee past nine degrees and it hurt to tie my shoes. And 
I was coming off this knee injury, so like I was fucked, and I wanted to play still. So I wanted to leave football on my own terms. I don't care if I can't lift my knee up. I'm gonna figure out a way to play. Totally in pain. Like it, it was horrible. Like imagine trying to run and you have a torn hip labrum, your femur's all fucked up. But I did it anyways, and I got back to playing. Um, I earned my starting position back. Like I wasn't even on the radar because like I was done football at that point. But I'm like fuck it, I'm coming back. Um, did that second game of the season, tear my tricep or my shoulder, they kind of don't know which one, but basically I couldn't use my arm. And so I played that whole season not being able to use my arm, but I didn't actually play. So I can't use my arm, but I, I, I was traveled. I, I got brought along every game because I was the guy who knew all the positions and how I had to get thrown in. They knew I could do a job even with one arm. Um, and I did get in quite a bit as a veteran, but that was a really tough experience because I, w I wanted to end on my own terms, had a fucked up hip, one arm, and I'm still playing. And then right smack dab in the middle of the season, well, probably the tail end, um, my father-in-law dies. Like, the worst experience ever. Like, um, I can't even describe how horrible that was because it was, it was a surprise. It was something that wasn't um, planned, obviously. And it just hit me like a fucking truck. And then on top of that, I have to do school and get past so I can finish my degree. And I was, like, fucked. And I, I think the biggest thing I learned that I know now would be not to be so closed off. So one of the biggest things that I'm a proponent of nowadays is, is again, being open and honest with people, but also that communication piece and that tribe and being around people. Um, I almost closed myself off to the point where it wasn't good for anyone involved other than my close family that I was close to. So um, if I would have had more people in my court, which I had a good network of people. Like I'm part of a university football team, a, a band of brothers, all these things, but I wasn't part of that because I, I separated myself from that. And knowing what I know now, that was probably the worst thing I could have did. And because of that, I, I suffered horribly that year. Like I had the worst grades I ever had. Like I didn't go to school. Like I ended my football career in a fairly like depressive state. Like I talked about how my previous injuries, I had a goal to get back. Then I just had a goal to, to get through and get it done and out of my life so I could, I could move on. And that's not something I'm used to being in, a place with no goal, no passion for it. And I think if I would have relied more on the people around me, I may have been in a better place. So in a nice bundled up package with a bow, communicate and be open to your network of people and, and lean on them would be the best thing. Lean on your support system in times of need because they're the ones who are going to help lift you up and, and I separated myself from that. I got through it, but I think it would have been an easier process for sure had I not closed myself off. That's I like that answer. I think it's so important for people to remember like you have people in your network and sometimes it's a matter of you have to say, hey, like this situation really sucks. I need to just talk to somebody. Yeah. But just doing that makes such a huge difference. Well, and and like imagine, so like this is what like it's, I still remember it so vividly is that like, so like we had a we had a game in Manitoba. I'm traveling, okay. So like I'm out of the province. We're playing football. Like I actually get in this game because like there was like two concussions and I'm playing with one arm and I had a great game. Like it was, it's weird to like think about that. Like I had a good game and I'm so messed up. And in the middle of this game, essentially, like my father-in-law passed. And like, like I said, it was like an accident, blah, 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 blah. But like, I didn't find out till the bus ride home. So like bus ride home, the bus ride to the airport in Manitoba, Winnipeg to get home. So I had like, I'm sitting in the middle of this bus with like surrounded by a team 
and I'm like bawling my eyes on the fucking phone and like I can't really tell anyone I just feel like I'm alone and I didn't open up because it was almost embarrassing so like that's how I perceived in that moment like I'm fucking in tears this shit storm just happened and I can't even get home to be where I want to be at because like I literally physically can't get home like if I could have teleported I would have and it was just a weird moment which I should have relied on more people to kind of be okay but instead I just stood there in silence and like ever no one really knew what was going on like it kind of got around because I had to tell someone I'm fucking breaking down the middle of the bus so I told my coaches like they're like what the fuck's wrong with you and I'm like this happened they're like just fuck off and leave me alone and in that moment you kind of look back on that and understand where you went wrong um and it's, it's kind of upsetting just thinking about that but like I felt alone when I shouldn't have been and I would have done it differently had I known now but it's that whole idea of my mindset around that was I was more worried about how I looked and like that I looked fucking weird than I was about feeling what I need to feel and I just wanted to be out of there and I would say that that awareness piece wasn't something that a 24 year old me would have even been able to logically evaluate and I wish I would have because I think I would have um, been much stronger in that period as opposed to just keeping everything inside and I've almost gone completely away from that mindset um, to the point where I don't care what people think and I think that I've flourished because of that and I've been on either end of the spectrum and and the more I've been on the opposite end of the spectrum where I, I want to be open and honest and just myself I've been more successful so that's the only thing I can take away from that one experience there is a silver lining there but like that was a pretty shitty experience to have to get that lesson from but maybe someone totally. else listening can get that i don't know yeah. i think so i think somebody's gonna find value in that because mm -hmm. like any podcast more and more people are gonna hear it yeah so that's my like not uh, uh surprise emotional story for you <laughs> totally no that's good people people will like that because like i say they don't hear this side of you and no there's a lot of people that are fans of dean so they want to hear more stories well and i'm thinking through it i was like do i even tell that story but it was the only story i had like that's what i mean if i would have like just like lied i would have really nothing like that you know what i mean like so that's what that whole part of just kind of being an open book within reason kind of allows people to understand you more and the more i've done that the more successful I've been. And I think that that's where that balance, or you call it lifestyle, but it's being honest with where you are and who you are, and then actually trying to fulfill that as opposed to thinking what others find ideal or what others think that you should do or what others see in you. Like, I don't really give a shit anymore. <laughs> like, Completely. And every time I write down questions for like somebody I'm interviewing, I, I know a pretty good idea of what kind of answers I'm going to get. Yeah. So like, it each each one is going to give you different value because each person is going to be speaking from different experiences yeah absolutely but we're going to lighten up the mood here yeah. we're going to think you're going to think critically and i want you to paint me a picture of your ideal life like when you have it all when you're feeling like you're set what does your day look like will you have kids do you travel where do you travel how often do you work out um it's cool that you asked this because i've had this um so Mike T. Nelson is someone we've talked about, but someone who's kind of helped mentor me over the last, I'm going to say like five or six months. But he asked me this question and I had this like answer. Like my first answer was like, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to wake up at seven. I'm going to do all my learning and creativity stuff. Then I'm going to train myself. So I'm going to like lift weights. Then I'm going to train. Then I'm going to go 
do something with my wife and my dog and then I'm going to bed. He's like, no, be more specific. And like he, I went through this process of like, I was like, okay, like I'll wake up at 7.53, then I'll like get my coffee and like I was like a little bit more specific and I'll do my studying and I'll train this day, this day, this day. And he's like, no, 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 more specific. Like you got to be very, very, very specific. And what I came to the conclusion was, is and, and the reason why he said this was your brain can only grasp, I guess, one like really solid goal. So if you give it a lot of options, it, your brain's not necessarily not smart enough, but it, it doesn't know how to put the needle on which one. So I was just super specific in the sense that like I'm in BC at some point, I'm, I have the ability to be mobile, but like I'm waking up in the morning and I, I am doing like my creative stuff. So it's not the tasks I don't want to do. So like a lot of the minuscule admin tasks and like hopefully I'll have someone to do that, but I'm literally just on whatever I'm learning that time and I'm writing notes and I'm just practicing and getting better and then like legitimately just train. I'm going to train a few personal training clients, like people that really want to be there, that want to learn what's in my brain, that want to go through a process that's um, more life-changing than it is just getting smashed into the ground. Like I want people who want essentially the journey that I've had and then literally I'm going to be in BC, I'm going to get on my boat, I'm going to be with my wife, I'm going to have the ability to like do water sport activities like every single day if I could and then I'm just gonna literally relax at night and I'm gonna be by a lake <laughs> like nice like where I want to be is by a lake and I think that I need to to get there to get this place I need to have something that's a little bit more mobile um, and I have to be in a place where like that can be financially a possibility I think that that's what I'm working on but like I literally don't want to be in Edmonton <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in BC. I think Sorry, it's the most beautiful place. <laughs> I feel like it's the most beautiful place in the world. And like, if, really, anyone who lives in Edmonton is not going to really have anything bad to say about like BC or like somewhere like no. inland with um, um, water and a lake. And I think that's just where I feel the most at home. Um, so if I can find a way to be there and do what I do now, I think that that's where my ideal life is. Because then every day is a holiday. Like I literally can unwind. And so we have all this travel stuff. I don't really love to travel, um, but I'll, I want one kid, but I'll be able to like have my home away from home. Um, sorry, that doesn't make sense. I'll be able to have the experiences that people have traveling just in my own backyard. And that's kind of where I want to be. I want, I, I don't want to have to leave where I'm at to experience something. All right. So you've probably thought this through to a pretty specific extent. How far down the road do you think you will make this happen? Uh, honestly, if, if things go, here's the problem. This is ideal, but then this is like what I would love to do. Like I, and I don't know how realistic it can be day to day because if you have a kid, there's school and all this other shit to think about. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I wish I had a better answer. Um, in an ideal world, this is like two years away, but yeah, and I've kind of have some things on the go that I think I can make that happen. But I think that that dream about I have painted will be like, like a part time thing because I'm going to have to have a stable base for a family and I'm totally cool giving up some of my dream to make sure that happens. But I'm trying to figure out a way to make both of those things happen. But like the realistic nature is I have a support system here that if you're starting a family, um, isn't isn't where I, I don't want to be away from that and partially yeah. for myself because it's easier and partially for my family because I don't want to take them away from um, the experiences that could be had when you have um, grandparents around 
and like family around. So I don't. I, I'm still working on. That. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. But I think it's just like you said with the brain. Like the brain can't focus on a jumble of things. Like no. I challenge you to really hone in on just hold yourself accountable. Just say like, hey, by this time, this is what it's going to be like. This is what it's going to look like. This is how we're going to work with the family stuff. Like. Yeah. If we have to, like, fly grandma in, we fly grandma in and so forth. Well, my biggest thought was, like, if I'm, like, thinking logically through this and I've, I've done it before, is that, like, your kids don't have to go to school till, like, I think six or seven. Like, I have to do the math on that. But that gives me a lot of leeway. Like, I don't have a kid, <laughs> have a kid yet. So, like, I can have this life. And I bet, like everything else in, in my life, that idea of what is good will change. But, like, my goal is sit on that now because I know I can have that now. If the money's there, the school thing will be, and the family thing will be a figure it out later thing, but I know I can have that for at least a few years, and that's kind of where my goal is now, and then I kind of, I'll just be honest with them. I'm totally cool giving up dreams to change them when I get ideas, because I'm not stupid either. Like, I'm not going to hold myself to a dream that past me liked when new me has a different idea what that is. So, I'm totally willing to let some of that shit go if, if, I, if I change my mind. So makes uh, sense. Yeah. Now we're gonna do some uh, real quick questions. Oh no. Donairs or chicken wings? Oh, donairs every day. Um, nice. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know where I first had donair, but I think we both went to high voltage. We both been to yeah. high voltage, right? And like, I've had donairs. My oh, it was Nitsas. So in Saint Albert, we had Nitsas. So donairs were awesome. But once you have a high voltage donair, it's like not even a contest between chicken wings because, I guess. Like chicken wings are just so normal. Donair is you just it's that donair sauce. Like the chicken wings have nothing on donair sauce, and I think that that's the yeah. It the changes factor. your world. Yeah, it's just something. Have that, you ever had a kerfuffle with the owner of High Voltage? Like like a problem? He he's a no nonsense guy. Oh yeah, but like, I, I haven't any problem. But like, so like I think I've told you the story is that like U of A all the old linemen, so like the big the three hundred pound dudes would go there. So like they were like. That was like their place to go, and because I was I was good friends with a few of them, I would kind of just join with the linemen, and like we had like a sandwich named after them, like it was called the the hoggy, so it's donair meat, um, Montreal smoked meat, and like donair sauce, and it's just fucking unreal, and so he liked us because we like we appreciated the food, and they probably paid a lot of his bills. So no, I, it was always a great experience there, but I I, I could see that. For sure. He's a, he's a no-nonsense guy. One time I, like, pointed not over the ledge, but yeah. towards over the ledge. And yeah. he was like, nope, nope. Yeah. Put your hands away. Get away from <laughs> I was like, my sorry, station. sorry. He, just but, all the vegetables. But, just give me all the vegetables. He's serious. <laughs> but the, the cool thing about that is, like, he's legitimately serious about, like, his shop. And I, I, it's not all donairs, but, like, he's, like, that's, like, his thing. Like, he's, like, don't fuck with it. Like, I'm the donair guy, so, like this is my fucking area and there's not yeah. that many people that do it like that like he's like legit <laughs> he's earned his reputation there was a time i went there for lunch and there was a lineup all the way around no parking there yeah so i had to park like by the ranch and then walk there <laughs> which is ridiculous there's no parking there either <laughs> like it's fucked like he's in a weird location between like two major roads and there's like no parking and he takes up one of the parking spots and like I don't know. It's just it's one of those hidden gems that like I wish I could go to more. Totally. Next question is favorite restaurant in Edmonton. Oh, I'm the worst. Um, 
I don't go out that much to eat in Edmonton. I know I should. Um, the, the biggest thing I can say offhand, because I haven't been to that much, oh man, would probably be, what's the, what's the place on White Ave that does Mexican, but it's kind of like a hybrid place. It's called... Um, El Cortez. El Cortez. I, I really like El Cortez. But that being said, like, I'm not t- picking from a huge pool of places. Like, that's one of the things I don't do is, like, my entertainment isn't eating out, but I like Mexican. So... Yeah, and that's, that's a good answer. Like, not everybody's going to be, like, a food connoisseur yeah. or, like, a foodie or whatever. And some people just want to know what what the guy wants to eat and i think that's a good answer that's a good answer so now we're on to the question that i always close with and it it builds in value to the podcast gives people something to walk away with if you could give our listeners one piece of advice on authentically living their life to the fullest what would it be i think um just based on my experience and kind of my mistakes would have been listening to and I kind of already did this to some extent, but I had a few hiccups would be listening to that inner voice of like what you do want to do and, and being true to that. And that's a really cliche answer, but it's the same reason why I quit a good career to do the one I'm doing. It's just, I knew I had to do it. And there was a few things along the way where people would just question the way I was going about things. And, and even now I do things really against the grain. Like I started a podcast. I don't train as frequently as some of the people because I'm trying to do continued ed. And I just know in my brain it's the right way to do things. And things have happened because of that. And I think that if I stick to not necessarily doing the things I'm good at, but just sticking to the things that I think I need to do as opposed to listening to what everyone else says, um, I've been able to define a path that is me and that I'm also solely responsible for. So when you work in someone else's system and someone else's structure and someone else's way of doing things, you're, you're held accountable to that system. And you can almost offload the responsibility on someone else's shit, where if you do things your way, and with that being said, make it an educated choice. But if you do things your way, you're responsible for your future. And I'm really a proponent of, of being the ownership of, I'm not going to say your destiny, but being the ownership of your path. And I'm glad I got back to owning my own path. And I, I think that I was always reliant on others to some extent, whether it was the teacher union and the process of teaching, whether it was the team structure, whether it was being forced to do these team workouts. And the second I was able to kind of support myself and start listening to myself, I, I got more, I became more effective as a human when I was in my own system and that's not realistic for everyone to do, but I built myself a a way so that I could break out of that. And now that I've done that, I've realized the error of my ways and I wish I would have did it earlier. So it's that listen, listen to yourself. You're, you're smarter than you think. And everyone else, everyone else's opinion doesn't really matter. Like some people's opinion matter, like my wife's opinion matters, but at the end of the day, I'm the one responsible for my happiness and I'm going to do it my way. And I think that that's, um, that's my advice is to try to do things more your way because you're, you're the one who's responsible for your happiness in your life. Too many people hold themselves back by getting in their head about what they think other people think about them. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's what you think about you. So yeah, it doesn't really I like matter. that answer. It doesn't really matter what other people think because you know what? I think that um, if I did it someone else's way, 
um, it wouldn't have worked because I don't have that same experience, that same skill set. And I mean, there's some people who've dialed down a process, but I like to look at how other people do things and pick the positives or the stuff that I can use. And then I just get rid of the rest. So people have systems, there's like systems for everything, but I just don't use every process of a system. I just do my system and then I add the best pieces from everyone else's and I'm just open to that as opposed to taking things at face value. I, I like to reverse engineer shit and take away the good stuff for myself and steal it. Totally. <laughs> steal all the people's good shit. stuff. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, it's been an awesome episode and great talking to you again. So, uh, we'll have to end this one. Episode three in the books. Peace out, man. Thanks for joining.